Acts 14. Let me ask you a question. Just think about it. Question is this How do you expect Satan to attack you? Think about it for a minute. How do you expect Satan to attack you? I think most of us would expect Satan to attack us with some sort of resistance, pushback. Uh, when we do something good, something bad will happen. When we uh, try to do right, um, he will put a roadblock in the way, uh, something to make us stumble, something that, that resists us from moving forward. Am I, am I right? Pretty well right in that? Okay. I think that's the majority of, of what we expect Satan to do. But I think you know this, and I hope you do, but Satan is a subtle serpent. Sometimes he works behind the scenes and very subtly. Doesn't always do things out bold, big, and open where we can see them, and he doesn't you know, mount up an uh, amazing attack against us. He will do things in sometimes the most unexpected ways. I want you to look at Acts chapter 14. Look at verse 8. The Bible says this, and there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Laconia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands unto the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people, which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out and saying, Sirs, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passions with you, and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein, who in time past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness." In that he did good and gave us rain from the heaven, from heaven in fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these things, scarce restrained they the people, that they had not done sacrifice unto them. I want to preach to you a message that I've entitled this evening, Satan's Greatest Deception. Satan's Greatest Deception. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here tonight. Again, Father, I pray that this would be a useful uh, time in which we can understand some more about Satan and how he attacks us. Father, to better understand how we can draw closer to you. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins. Would you help us now as we open your word and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You hopefully know a little bit of Bible all the way up until this point in Acts. The apostles have not had an easy time. 
they've been hit with all kinds of resistance, all kinds of persecutions. Paul and Barnabas in particular have been threatened with their lives multiple times. The last time we saw, I believe, that, that Paul was uh, lowered down in a basket outside of the wall and he was able to escape from what was going on. We see Peter being thrown into prison. We see uh, um, one of the disciples uh, being beheaded. We see all kinds of different things happening. Major, major, major resistance from Satan. We see in the future that Paul and his clan, if you will, were stoned. They were beaten. They were whipped. They were shipwrecked. There were all kinds of different things that Satan tried to do to resist what God was trying to do. Understand this, Satan will always provide resistance to what God is trying to accomplish. Satan will always provide resistance to what God is trying to accomplish. Just mark it down, just write it down, it will always happen. But let's have a look at this story and let's draw some application from it this evening. Look at verse 8 again with me there in Acts chapter 14. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet. This is important. He was crippled from his mother's womb and had never walked, who never had walked. Everything in the Bible is important. This man did not know how to walk. He had no muscles that taught him how to walk. He has never walked in his entire life. He hears Paul. Here's Paul speak, and he's able to uh, look and, and see Paul, and Paul steadfastly beholding him, verse 9, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up on thy feet, and he leaped and walked. I mean, this guy who has no idea how to walk stands up and leaps and walks, and it, there's no doubt this is an amazing miracle done. There's no doubt. Spectacular, God did an amazing thing for this man. It's miraculous. But watch the people's reaction to this again. In time past, in, in before chapters, what do you think would normally have happened? Well, the Jews probably would have found some way to say, you did that wrong. It was probably on a Sabbath day or something to that effect. There was something wrong with every time the apostles did something. Every time God worked in a miraculous way, the Jews would find fault. And they would begin to say they, they're teaching something against Jewish tradition. They're preaching this new gospel. They're preaching Jesus Christ. They're doing all these different things and they become upset and begin to push hard against them. But look at the reaction to this people. The people in verse 11, and when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Laconia, the gods are come down to us in likeness of men. So instead of saying, hey, get out of here, we don't want you here, we're going to kill you, we're going to stone you, we're going to throw you in prison, they go, oh, the gods have come down. This is Satan's greatest deception. The gods have come down and they are in the likeness of men and they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius because he was the chief speaker. Jupiter is the Roman god for the Greek god Zeus. And Mercurius is the, the Greek uh, Roman um, speaker for the, the Greek name is Hermes. 
He's the speaker of the gods. Notice why it says this. Because he was the chief speaker. Paul was the one doing all the talking. And so they have given these God names to them. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands under the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people. They're going to sacrifice now to these gods. They're going to give them what they think a God deserves. Can you imagine what Paul and Barnabas would have felt? They are immediately elevated to the level of gods. The gods have come down. In likeness of men. The people are so moved that they are convinced that Paul and Barnabas are gods. And they are convinced that they must perform a sacrifice for them. Now put yourself in their shoes. Put yourself in the shoes of Paul and Barnabas. Up until this point it's been nothing but fighting. Scratching tooth and nail to try to get something and do something for the Lord. And every time you do something for God, Satan pushes back. And now this. If this, this is dead honest, if this was me, I would be like, finally, somebody realizes my potential. Finally, I'm getting some recognition. Finally, we're getting something that we actually deserve. God is actually blessing us now. That would be my reaction. Maybe, maybe they had thoughts of that. We don't really know. They have labored hard. We know that. They have put a lot of work into this, and they've really never been appreciated. In fact, they've, because of some of these things, they even fought with the apostles. The Bible tells us that Paul withstood Peter to the face. I mean, this has not been an easy road. They've never been adequately rewarded. Perhaps they thought God was blessing them. Again, we don't know their thoughts. It would be so much fun to know their thoughts and and understand. But we know ourselves, we know our human uh, tendencies, and that would be what we would think. Man, great, finally, we're, we're we're being proclaimed as gods instead of pushed down. God is finally blessing us. But we do get to see their actions. Look at verse 14 again. Which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among them. Among the people crying out and saying, Sirs, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passion with you and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein. You see, instead of accepting such an offer, instead of elevating themselves to God, they immediately stop them from sacrificing to them. No, 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 you're not going to do that. No, 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 no. We're, we're just men, just like you. We are no different than you. We, we eat, we drink, we sleep, we, we, we have like passions as you do. We're the same as you. We're no different than you. And they immediately begin to speak of God, the one true God. They immediately get right into it. You can see there in verse 15 and then in 16 and verse 17. Begin to just preach the word of God to them. Listen, God did not leave himself without witness. We are that witness. We are trying to witness to you and and show you who the one true God is. Nonetheless, there are times in our lives when Satan will use good or perceived good to deceive us. Satan will use what we think is blessings and turn them into cursings. 
Satan has that power. Satan is that deceitful. So I want to give you three, three warnings. Three warning signs about Satan's greatest deception. Number one, beware of self. We're looking at this passage. I don't know Paul and Barnabas that they are selfish people. Doesn't appear that way. Never appears that way. But no doubt human beings are selfish. Why should we be aware of ourselves? Very simply because we are selfish. We want what we want, when we want it, and how we want it to be there. That's natural. That's normal. That's us. We love ourselves. We think we deserve something, don't we? There's not, a, there's not one person in this room that doesn't think they deserve something. Something. There are times in my life, a lot of times in my home, my wife can vouch for this, where I think I deserve something because I'm the man of the house. <laughs> oh, my tongue's starting to hurt. There are times when I think I deserve something for the wonderful son I am to my mother. There are times when I think I deserve something for whatever, and we all do at some point think we deserve something. But let's get real with ourselves. We deserve nothing. The only thing we deserve is to die and go to hell because of our sin. That's the only thing we deserve. Anything we get on top of that is icing on the cake. God has saved us. God has given us eternal life. God has given us something wonderful, yet we still think we deserve something. We focus on what we want out of life. There are things that I want to accomplish in my life. There are things that I want to do. There are things that I want people to help me get there. So I think they need to help me. We only look out for our interests. Write this down. Self is dangerous because self is pride. Self is dangerous because self is pride. So beware of self. Beware of your own pride. Proverbs 16 and verse 18, the Bible says, Pride cometh before destruction, and in haughty spirit before a fall. So if you want to be destroyed, and if you want to fall all the time, then go ahead, have pride. Go ahead, live your life the way that you want to. I guarantee you'll fall flat on your face multiple times. I guarantee you'll do wrong and, and you'll, you'll just be destroyed by the end of it. Paul said this, I die daily. His self, his flesh was dying daily. Oh, no, 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 no. Not all once a month. Not once a year, but not once a week even. I die daily. Paul could not put up with his flesh one more minute. He said, oh, wretched man that I am in Romans chapter 7. Who shall deliver me from this body of flesh? This is what Paul had to deal with. He knew his pride, his flesh, his self needed to die every day. So number one, beware of self. Number two, beware of other men's praises. Yeah, I said that. Beware of other men's praises. Beware of allowing others or yourself to be praised 
the people loved Paul and Barnabas. They immediately received praise of the people. Immediately. Listen, and we're an immediate society right now. And Paul and Barnabas, they, they didn't have instant potatoes back then. That's a new thing, okay? So they weren't necessarily looking for instant gratification the way that we do today. But listen, they were instantly received as gods. Instantly. Hey, you guys are awesome. We love you. And they got instant praises. Every person, I don't care who you are, likes it when other people think they are great. I, you don't necessarily have to call me up on the platform to make me look great. But if you say, hey, you're great and you're wonderful and you're doing a great job and they enjoy that encouragement, everybody likes that and that's not necessarily a problem. Everybody wants everyone to notice their accomplishments. Go into any doctor's office. The accomplishments are pasted all over the walls. Those all are not necessarily wrong things, but I want you to go to Matthew chapter 6 with me. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1. The Bible says this. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men. Watch this now. To be seen of men. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Watch, verily I say unto you, they have their reward. If you jump down to verse 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. And chapter 6 is full of those. Listen, if you do anything for the praise of man, you have your reward. Maybe that's the reward you're looking for. Maybe you're looking for man to pat you on the back and clap for you and say, hey, you're a wonderful person and, and you're like a god and you are the greatest person in all the world. Maybe you're looking for that. But the Bible says that if you have praise of men, you do not have praise of God. Look at verse 1. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. If you're doing things just to be seen of man, then you have your reward and you do not have the reward of God. If anybody's going to reward me, I don't want anybody in this room to reward me. I want God to reward me. Because God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he can give me a much better reward than you could ever give me. I know Paul and Barnabas were not doing this. It's very obvious that they didn't do it to be seen of men, but beware of other men's praises. Beware of it. Watch out for it. I believe that if you do things for God, men will take notice and they will praise you, just like this story. But beware of it. I want you to see the third thing. Beware of elevation. Beware of elevation. Beware of allowing others to put you up on a pedestal. Beware also that you yourself don't put you up on a pedestal. 
as wonderful as Paul was, he still knew that he was nothing without God. He said this, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I am nothing without Christ. Again, I think maybe in different ways, but I believe every one of us wants to be elevated. To be put up above the rest. We don't want to be the runt of the litter. We want to be the strongest, the best in the litter. We want, we want to be the best in everything we do. We want to be the most powerful, the best looking, the most exceptional. We want everybody to know who we are. We want everybody to worship the ground we walk on again. You may say, no, that's not me. Maybe not openly, but deep down inside of us, all of us have a pride issue. If you'll go to Romans chapter 12 with me, I want you to see what Paul says here in Romans 12. In verse 3. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Very famous verses, but look at verse 3. The Bible says, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. We should know by now that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts and God's ways are higher than man's ways but so often we put ourselves on that pedestal don't we oh you got to hear the great idea I had you got to hear how wonderful I am you got to hear how great this was and how beautiful I am and how spectacular all of these things that we build ourselves up on listen to me Satan's greatest deception is one of blessings and honor so you're saying pastor Yeomans, I'm never allowed to be honored or blessed or anything that's not at all what I said I said that's his greatest deception I didn't say it was a sin to be honored. I never said it was a sin to be blessed. I said it's a great deception. To put it in other terms, the pride of life. There are three things that Satan wants to get you with. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. In our society, I'll be honest with you, in my own life, I should say, I feel like I've got a pretty good handle on the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. There's all kinds of things to put in place to guard against those things. But you know what? There's very little to guard against the pride of life. There's very little. It's all within you. It's all your own doing, and you build yourself up. By the way, this particular instance... Where we are right now is no different than what Satan presented to Eve. It's no different. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 5, the Bible says, that, excuse me, Satan says this. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open. And listen, and ye shall be as what? Huh. As God's knowing good and evil. You see, all within us, everyone wants to be elevated to that position. All of us want to be put up. 
But in those moments, in those feelings of those things, that's when Satan deceives you the most. That's when Satan got Eve. The first sin of the entire world happened. By the way, this is no different than what Satan did to Jesus in the wilderness. Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, the Bible says, Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. Saith unto him, all these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Watch what Jesus says. Then Jesus saith unto him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. If you had a choice today, and you said, I'm going to either choose to serve Satan or I'm going to choose to serve God. I don't think there's one of us in this room that today would choose to serve Satan. There's not one of us in this room that would say, I worship Satan. But Satan is far more deceptive than that. He doesn't want you necessarily to fall down and worship him, but he gets you to do that by falling down and worshiping yourself. Now, given that choice, there'd be people here today that would say, I worship myself every day. I love myself. I want to do what I want to do. So often, Satan just twists just a little bit. And he gives you that wonderful, excited, proud feeling. And you just get let that well up inside of you and you go, Oh, yeah, here we go. Finally, I'm getting what I deserve. And Satan's just going, ha, I got him. I want you to finish this story with me. Notice that Paul and Barnabas get out of this. Back to Acts chapter 14. We read in verse 18. And with these things scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto God. Barely got out of it. Scarce. Now watch verse 19. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having, watch, stoned Paul. Drew him out of the city supposing he had been dead. One instance he's a God, and the next instant he's stoned. Now let me put it to you this way. How many of you would rather be treated like a God, or how many of you would rather be treated, be, be stoned? If you say you'd rather be stoned, you need to leave, because you're not the type of person that we want to be preaching to here. Nobody wants to be stoned. Everybody wants to be treated like there's someone. Everybody wants that. But listen to me, hear me out. These men, had they accepted what Satan was offering, understand this, had they accepted the Godship, do you know what? They would not have been stoned. Do you get that? Hey, Paul, Barnabas, you guys are our gods now. We're going to worship you. And the Jews come down from Antioch and Iconium and they say, hey, those guys are, uh uh-uh, we're his bodyguards. They got them now because they're gods. 
They will not be treated with disrespect. They will not be put down. They will not be stoned. They are Jupiter and Mercury. You don't, you don't mess with them anymore. You realize that? That's what they had going for them. And in one instance, they deny what Satan is giving them. And they say no to it. And immediately, Jews come down from Antioch and Iconium. And they say, those guys are bad, wicked, vile. They take them out of the city and stone them. Not one of us would want that. They would have been protected had they just accepted this wonderful gift. And there are going to be times in your life where you're going to push away pride and something bad, that resistance is going to come back and you're going to think, man, I should have just accepted that. I should have just lived in my pride. I should have just done what I wanted to do. It would have been so much easier. I wouldn't have to go through all this. But had they accepted, had Paul and Barnabas accepted the Godship, write this down, do, so, do something with this, they would have lost everything that God was doing. Had they accepted the Godship that they were given, they would have lost everything that God was doing. Listen, you can take and you can receive and you can go, yeah, I'm something special. But the moment you do that, you lose everything that God is trying to do. The only thing that, will quen that can quench God's spirit is pride. Pride. And every single one of us is born with it. And every single one of us has to battle with it. Beware. These men, Paul and Barnabas, would not have fulfilled all that God wanted them to accomplish with their lives. God had called them to follow him. To not worship anyone but him. He did not call them to gain accolades on this earth. He did not call them to be raised up on this earth. He did not call them to be popular. He did not call them to be anything but his servants. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians 9. Look at verse 24. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 24. The Bible says this, know ye not that they which run in a race run all. But one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. But we an incorruptible. So Paul says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, watch this, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. The great Apostle Paul, who had signs and wonders and, and scripture revealed to him, says, I die daily 
and I have to bring my body into subjection lest I should be a castaway. Do you know that Satan wants you just to be another castaway? Satan doesn't want you to be anything for God. Satan doesn't want you to win. Satan doesn't want you to uh, get to heaven and have God say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. He wants to pull you down and he wants to destroy you so much more than you realize. He just wants to cast you aside. Let's play this out just a little bit. Paul and Barnabas stay and they become gods to the people here. How long do you think it is before they figure out that they're not actually gods? Not long. What do, you, what do you give them, tops a couple months? Before you know it, guess what they're going to be doing? They're going to be thrown out of the city and probably stoned. And they won't have God there to protect them anymore necessarily. They won't be doing God's will. Listen, Satan's greatest deception is to elevate you to a level that you don't deserve to be in. That's a level for only God. He did it with Eve. He did it with Jesus. He did it with Paul. What makes you think he's not going to do it to you? Be oh so careful. He will get you focused on yourself. He will get you looking for a personal reward. Just beware. Beware of yourself. Beware of men's applause. Beware of that elevation. Beware of the pride of life. Let's pray. Father.